Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Scala Supporters Pembrokeshire Podcast. Oh, here we go then with another week of the Westerer is Besterer podcast. And joining me as always is Big Martin, Big M, as he likes to be called. Mart, how's it going, my friend? Uh, I'm all right. I mean, I think it's the first time I've ever been called Big M. It's just, you know, me chucking a few random names in the uh, <laughs> on the screen. I, I don't mind that one. <laughs> it could be a load worse. Could be a load worse, couldn't it? Yeah. Could be. <laughs> so... Loads of stuff to go through from from last week's game, mate, uh, and loads of stuff from the local rugby. So I got a confession to make first of all. So normally I do the Saturday scores rundown and and, uh, yeah, and yeah. I do that. And so I didn't do it last Saturday because I'd um, I'd had a couple of beers after the uh, well during the Argentina game, uh, and then I had a few more after. Uh, and then I went to sleep, and um, <laughs> so yeah, I didn't actually that, get that's wrong. Disappoint- I'm really disappointed in you, but you know, I my, know my, my heart's broken by her. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I, I obviously, I obviously knew about it because this isn't the first time I hear about it. I was really disappointed on Saturday as well because I didn't get to listen to her. You know? <laughs> no, I just, I, I, I started checking some scores, <laughs> and then I just kind of, um, yeah, I woke up and it was really, really late. So, yeah. Anyway, so we'll we'll have a chat through some scores today. Anyway, uh, just so everyone is aware, and there were some big, big scores from the weekend. But let's do some let's do some big stuff to start with. Let's have a chat about the uh, the Argentina game. What what did you make of the Argentina game, mate? We won. We you know, p- pointing out the obvious to start. Mm. I mean. Defensively, we stood up, didn't really show much in attack again, and you know I, you know I, I predicted quite a heavy defeat uh, mm. last week, and I still think if the Argentina that beat England the week before turned up, 
that would have been a result because I, I don't know what happened to that Argentina side, but they just didn't get out of first gear. Mm. They just, they look knackered more than anything, I think. It's been a long old, it's a long old season for some of them because a lot of their boys play in France. So it's basically a full year round season. Mm. And uh, I, I, I just think they were so jubilant last week. It just took a lot out of them. Yeah, I think that England game was kind of like the season finale sort of thing, wasn't it? And um, I, I thought they made a lot of mistakes that, you know, there's two ways of looking at it. They could either, those mistakes could either be Welsh pressure or it could be, like you say, a little bit of end of season rustiness, a little bit of tiredness. I, I think it was probably a combination of the two. I think that the, the Welsh reaction from the week before was quite significant. I thought you, you could tell one or two people have had a couple of chats and gone, I say old chap last week wasn't wasn't quite up to standard. And you know, there was a there was a definite reaction from players on Saturday from a defensive point of view. It was, it was more structured, it was more there were more players coming in to stop the ball and putting pressure on Argentina. And I think that was the difference. That that was the only difference between that game and the New Zealand game, you know. It was and uh, again in attack, it was one lucky charge down, you know, one poor kick from from the Argentinian on a wouldn't even a charge. I think it hit his knee or his leg, you know, so it wasn't even like it. Yeah. So, you know, it was a really, really poor kick. But, you know, you take what you can. And um, it never felt like Argentina were really going to cross the line, never felt like they were going to come close. I can't remember. Uh, um, you know, nothing sticks out as, you know, a series of, of uh, massive pressure on the 22. I think there was one bit where we, you know, there were a couple of breaks into the 22 and we stopped it fairly quick. There wasn't a sustained period of pressure in our 22. So... You know, I thought that was much, much better than the week before. So, yeah, you can only you can only play what's in front of you as well. So, you know, you regardless of how good or how bad a team is compared to the best that they can play, you know, they've, mm. they've still turned up on the day and they've still done the job. Mm. So, I mean, the, the the only Scarlets player that we had actually on the pitch was the sheriff, and. Um, I think the the difference in the sheriff's game this week to the previous week was the previous week he stood out because nobody else was doing the grunt, you know nobody else was getting stuck in and doing the work. And this week he kind of blended in a little because a few more people were doing that grunt work. So he still got through a ton of work. The amount of of work that he gets through is absolutely phenomenal, and. Because he's not a big guy. If you if you've ever stood next to him, you you must have stood next to him, and you look at yeah. him and you go, you know, he looks so much bigger on the telly. <laughs> to, to uh, it's, that, it's that extra ten pounds it adds. It, it really makes a difference. You know, yeah. he's, he he isn't he isn't the biggest of chaps, but he's not small either. You know, no. he, he's, no. he's, I I don't know what is exact height is he's on like six foot or and you know 19 20 stone whatever it is you know he you know he, he's he's a thick set boy he, he's got the shoulders to be a front rower which you know is why he is a front rower uh, like. yeah yeah but uh oh you 
you you'd be a bit deceived if you go next to him and when you see the sort of carrying mm. and the work that he gets through. Yeah, because you know he's going into into tackles where when he's taking ball into contact, it is you know fully committed. You know every single time he takes that ball, he is hundred percent committed into I'm going through you and I'm going you know I'm I'm at least taking five yards out of you sort of a thing. You know there is no half measure with Ken, and it is total total commitment. Yeah, and, there's uh, only one gear, and that's 100 miles an hour. Yeah, it is. And I think that was the impressive thing from last weekend was he didn't stand out because others were doing it as well. You know, I thought I thought Tipperick had a better game at seven. Um, I still, I'm, I'm, I still don't think he's the best seven in Wales. I don't even think he's in one of the top three sevens in Wales. I genuinely yeah. don't. But you know, he's there for other reasons, you know, to, to provide the leadership and to provide a, a, a little bit of something different. And I thought he had a better game against Argentina than he did against New Zealand. But then, you know, New Zealand target the back row. You know, they, they, they target people like Falatau. They will know, you know, you, you need to run at him and then sit on top of him while somebody else goes and does other things. You know, they, they're not stupid. They, they know how to play against the Welsh back row. And yeah, they know when to, uh, you know, just hold hold the ankle on the side of the ruck where the ref can't see you and just don't let them get that extra step first. You know, the, yeah. dark, the old dark arts, like. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Argentina were a tough side. You know, they, they are a tough side. And that was a very similar side to the side that beat England. So, like you say, it may well have been a bit of fatigue. It may well have been a bit of, I don't know, complacency having coming off beating England and um but they definitely looked out of sorts but at the same time you know I thought the pressure the the line speed in defense was I can't say it's a lot more fast it, yeah it, I think it was more consistent whereas the week before you know there'd be the odd one or two where you'd have four or five players going up and, and putting pressure and against Argentina, it was every single play there was a challenge on the ball. You know, we were putting pressure on the ball every single play. And I think that's, you know, that does wear you down over a period of time where you're just like, you know, I can't do anything in this game. I, you know, there's players all around me. I can't do anything. So, you know, I think respect where it's due. I think, um, you know, the, the defence was a lot, lot better. And like you say, attack. Yeah, what was there in attack? There wasn't much there in attack. I think the only times we any really made any any distance was off Argentina kicks or set pieces. You know, we 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 never looked like creating something off set piece. You know, no, it was it no, was it's all... like you know, early in the first half, you know, when when Argentina kicked long in the first time, Zamet had the ball in a bit of space. Mm. You know, he did look to have a run. I mm. don't know whether or not he was uh, had a bit of a slap on the wrist at half time and said, you know, calm down, but uh, he didn't seem to do much of that in the second half. So I, I, I think it was more of a just control the game rather than take chances. Hmm. But then that's what you want from him. You you want him if he's going to be on the pitch. 
you want him taking those chances, don't you? You want you want him running at people. You want him challenging that back line and going, you know, because if if he's if if you're in a position where you you kick to to Zamet and you know that he's going to run back at you, your defense doesn't hold back. You you come up to the, that defensive line and then that leaves a bit more space behind for a kick. So you know it's it's one of those things where. If their defence is holding back, particularly with somebody like Zamet and and Dyer, you know, but if if their defence is is sitting back and not chasing up that kick fully, then those are the boys you want running at them. You know, you do want them running from your own ten yard line and 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 having a crack at them because that's where space is created. And and I think yeah, I think he broke the line twice, three times, I think. Yeah, you needed two breaks. Perfect yeah. one. And and I think that's if he's going to play there, and it looks like he will, you know, stick there apparently. Um, then you you want him to provide something different to Halfpenny. You know, Halfpenny yeah. isn't a, a a line breaker, is he? He's, he's no, a... I mean, don't get me wrong. Is is offense as a fullback has improved over the last few years, but not to the level of someone like Zamet or even Adams. He doesn't have that top-end pace to mm. really threaten and make those full breaks. You know, half-break, you're there, yet he is very capable. But mm. to cut the line and potentially finish off, it, it's not something the half-penny does. No, but then he, he will give you another kicking option that, you know, best will in the world, Zamet is never going to, to offer, you know. Oh, he's, I, I don't know. He's, he's still a young man. I mean, just think half, half penny started out on the wing himself, didn't he? And he developed yeah. into this uh, the type of the type of player that we see now. So mm. I, I, I wouldn't like for Zamet to focus uh, on his defense as much as half penny does, because I think it mm. just take away too much from what is good about him. Mm. But obviously, there is there's a lot of time left in our boy's career, and you know, they, I, I can't see a ceiling for him at the minute. So who knows how far he can go? Yeah. So looking at this week's game, then um, obviously the side's been put out early, and there's a bit more Scarlet's interest in the in the side, and it's a bit more of a younger side, a bit more of a. Um, I mean, there's a. Pivot called it the spine of the side is still there, which I can see. I get. Um, what what do you make of the side for for Georgia? Obviously, Georgia very very different side to Argentina, but still very very strong in certain areas. So, what, what do you make of that side? I mean, I, I was a little disappointed, but m- more as a scarlet than anything else. You know, I, I I would have loved to have seen Blacker and Costello get a start together. Mm. Um. Just, just looking through it, there's a few players who are like obviously not just out, not just the Scarlets, but outside as well, like Bradley Roberts and Joe Hawkins. And you're thinking, well, these these boys are not going to get any proper game time now during this season, this series. So, you know, just having them in to train for five weeks is 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 that really that beneficial to them? Mm. Well, they've got Roberts on the bench, and yeah. I. Uh... I would expect to see changes at half time rather than at uh, sixty minutes for for that. Yeah, 
I, I reckon Pivak is hoping that the game is not wrapped up, but you know, potentially safe by the half time 50 minute mark and just unload mm. the entire bench. Yeah. Because so let's take a little look to see what Scarlet's uh, interest we got. Um, obviously, I would have thought that this would have been an ideal game to rest Ken. Uh, yeah. But he's put him in from the start, and I think that's a bit of respect to Georgia more than anything because we know they're coming with a big, a big pack, a big front row that kind of eats a whole horse for breakfast sort of a thing. They're they're, they're not small boys. In Georgia, and and I I can never understand why some of these Eastern European teams aren't doing a bit better. You know, there's they breed them big in that part of the world. You know, some I, I think it's the exact same reason why we are always slow starters. They don't get enough time together. Mm, you know, maybe. I, mm. You know, you you tend to see uh, with the likes of Romania as well. That when they do, uh, you know, qualify for a World Cup, they are very, very forward orientated, and they they can't hold their own against the top nations for a good while. Mm. So you know, having a you know that eight week preparation time is is absolutely massive for mm. them. And I, I I would like to think that there were better ways in which we handled the European you know competitions, you know, with the Six Nations and the ones below. Because mm. you know, you if you have a, a a good season, there's no reward for it, which uh, I I find quite disappointing. Well, I you mean, would have you would have thought that you know we we've got the the autumn internationals, so whoever wins the the Six Nations second division, if you the the what do they call it, the European. Nations Champions, Championship. That's the one, yeah. European Nations Cup, yeah. So whoever wins that could slot in to play in in in, in the the autumn internationals. I know it's kind of a bit like these games are arranged 12, 18 months, two years in advance, and what have you. But there should be an option there where you just go right. Well, whoever wins that championship slots in and plays. You know, England, Ireland, Wales through the, the the autumn nations. You know that I think that would actually add a little bit of um, a little bit of, of gravitas to that championship, and would make these games a little bit more interesting. You know, because you know you're playing the best of, of of what's coming up. So, yeah, I mean, world rugby are supposed to be all about developing world rugby. You know, mm. they should be looking. I, I know we got the second tier with US, Canada, the Pacific Islanders and whatnot. But it, it is just there's so much talent in the in, in Europe for developing rugby. And, you know, we've seen them have victories against Italy. We've seen um, you know, beat the like the Pacific Islanders, Tonga and Samoa. And it just it seems like yes, we've done that, we've taken a step up and then they just go ex- ex- straight back down to what they used to. Mm. So there's, there's there's no that progression planning. Yeah, and it's not like the it's difficult. It's not like you know it's not like the at the end of the earth they're, they're in they're quite close you know relatively quite close to a lot of of other um, teams where I so say we we could be playing people like Georgia Romania you know um, I think Portugal are playing. Uh, Oh, Portugal, USA. 
for the last yeah, place in the, yeah. in the yeah. So you know, that's there's, on there's Friday, a, is it? I think it is. I'm sure it's Portugal USA for the the last place in the World Cup, the final qualifier tournament. Yeah, uh, but you know, it, it's it's a shame that we don't get to play some of these teams a bit more often. But then again, you've got to look at it and go. You know, there's only so many games in the season that the the national team can play because they still got to go back down and play for for regions. So I'm just looking at um, Georgia's last couple of fixtures. So they beat Uruguay 34-18 a couple of weeks ago. And last Saturday, they lost narrowly to Samoa 20 points to 19. So, you know, they've had a couple of... Uruguay and Samoa are not rubbish sides. You know, they're they're, they're decent sides themselves. So Uruguay have have been front-runners... Oh, behind Argentina before now in South America, so you know they do know how to play. Yeah, and Samoa know how to throw the ball around. You know, as we found out to our cost in the past. So, you know that team that comes on on Saturday is uh, it's coming fully loaded. You know, it's it's coming with the enthusiasm and the uh, the the want to come and turn us over. You know, so it's not going to be an easy game at all. Oh no, they're not here to make up numbers. No one bet. Mm-hmm. They're here to take a scalp. Yeah. So which is probably why players like Ken Owens, George North, um Thomas Williams, Reese Amit, uh are, are left in the side. Uh, I think the the interesting bit for me, there's, there's obviously Josh McLeod, which is the interesting bit, but we we talk about him in a minute. But the the interesting the other interesting bit is that Alan Jones has been left out again, and the you know I I, I like I like the legacy that Alan Jones is going to leave, not just as a player but as a person. He, he's a he's a hard trainer. He he's dedicated to the game. He's dedicated to you know his region. You know the 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 offers that he must have had at the peak of his career. Uh, you know, must have been massive, but yeah. he said no. He was going to stay in and play. All right, he's playing for the Ospreys. We can't all be perfect, but you know, the man, the the, the integrity of the man is is unquestionable. And that's I, when he gets to the stage where you know it's the second game on the trot now where he's been rested, um, just kind of makes me question is. I, I can't see him going to the World Cup. If it's done on... If that World Cup squad is selected on ability and capability, you know, our players in form, he's, he's you know, he's a, he's a he's an excellent regional player, but he's not an international player anymore, you know? No, That's... he's not, which is quite sad. And to add to the type of person he is, the way he handles himself in some controversial situations, you know, like what happened with Marler a few years ago, and he, he handled that perfectly, mm. you know, and he, he will always be, he will probably be remembered as one of the best Wales has ever produced, mm. not not just for longevity, but just for how he's played. You mm. know, it's, it's not easy to go on a couple of Lions tours either, so you've got always got to add that into the fact. Mm. And it it is disappointing on a personal view for him, but you know he's got over 150 caps. 
you know, mm. he, he's what, what is he, 36? I, I, I'm not sure exactly how yeah. old he is. Yeah. But, you know, the mantle has got to be passed at some point. Yeah. And that's why I thought this would be an ideal game to say, um, you know, a bit of a... Um, a bit of a, a a final game for him, sort of a thing. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And we, we, not, not quite a farewell, but you know, a, a mark, like a sort of like a, a testimonial sort of thing. Yeah, I I would go so far as saying um, that he should be he should have started this game and then before the game gone, this will be my last game, uh, and it would have filled the crowd because uh, so many people would have seen his last game. You know. Um, I just think if he tries to go for the World Cup, it's something you know he needs to do something a lot different to what he's doing now in order to make the World Cup. And, and you look at the players that are coming through. So we've got David Jenkins on the bench uh, for Saturday. We've got Shunza out injured. We've got uh, Ben Carter. You've got Will Rowlands coming through now. Adam Beard. Uh, what's the other guy they brought into the... Um, yeah, you got Reese Davis. You got the two Price Boys down with us. You know, there's a there's a glut now. All of a sudden, there's a glut of young players coming through that are uh, are starting to fight for that position, and and there hasn't been a position to fight for for quite some time. You know, there's yeah. and I, I probably argue even right now, it's it's not a position that has to be fought over. Just because you know he's all they've always been selected. Like I, I don't particularly think any of our locks have been above good in mm. the opening two games, and I, I really think that you know I I was quite surprised to see David Jenkins in the twenty three just because he's only here for the week and you know he's he's going back to Exeter after after Georgia. I I thought that if anyone Reese Davis was going to get the game time because. Mm. And I think if you look at Alan Wynn and how he needs to really survive to get to the World Cup, I think that happens more at the Ospreys than it does with Wales. Mm. I think he needs to start developing more as an impact player if he wants to make it. I think he needs to really be saying, no, I'm, I, I want to be in the squad, but I need to be able to have that 25, 30 minutes of high energy, high impact performance. Because mm. I don't think he can really do it over the 80 anymore. No, and maybe that might be the solution for him, you know, and that might be his route to the World Cup. And and like when he does come on, you can you can still see that fire in his eyes, you know, you can still see that he wants to to do it. But I think the last three or four times he's come on, he gives away like two penalties within five minutes of being on the pitch, and there's just that getting up to speed and getting into that game. And and anyway, he's not going to be there this weekend. <laughs> You're talking more about players that's not there than than the players that are there. But um you know, so the player I do want to talk about is Josh McLeod. Oh yes. I think he's kind of gone under the radar with with people like Jack Morgan have come through and Tommy Rafael have come through and Thomas Young have you know, Thomas Young's not even in the uh, in the squad, you know. But Josh McLeod is a player that can play all three positions across the back row. And having played two positions across the back row, so a number eight and blindside I used to play, um, 
that's hard enough switching from one to the other, especially at, at scrum time because you're looking in different places. You're you're uh, you know you're lining up differently. Um, your your line out control is is different. Um, so you know to to add a third position in there, and I'd say probably seven is his best position. So you look at our back row. You know, Jack Morgan, Justin Tipperick, and Josh McLeod. Three sevens. We got three sevens on the pitch. You know, um, you hope that translates into some turnovers. Well, yeah, especially with a big heavy pack. You you would hope that the tactic now is let's move that ball wide early, use the likes of Zamet and Cuthbert and Adams, and and put pressure on that outside channel knowing that we've got three sevens happy to get there and they've got a big heavy pack to move around. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think if we if we knacker out that pack in the first 20 minutes, we'll start to run riot. And I I, I can see McLeod getting on the score sheet. I really can, just because he is everywhere. And he's got, this is his third time he's selected now for a Welsh start. Yeah. You know? What was the first time he got injured in the Scarlet's final game before meeting up? The second time, it was like an hour after being named in the side. Mm. And, you know, I, I'm not saying anything now until after the game. <laughs> yeah, as I say, if I was him, I'd be like, nope, not doing anything now. I'm I'm staying in my room until Saturday morning, end of. I'm I, staying I, in my padded room. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not doing anything. But I, he's just such a, a dynamic player. And we saw it a couple of times, um, and it was only because of injuries, it was only a couple of times where he played with uh, Jack Morgan at the Scarlets last year. Um, was it season before? Last anyway, year, was, yeah. There was a couple of times where they played together where it was kind of, it was an all-action sort of a back row. You know, we had Calmaphony in between the two of them just doing what he does. And those two were just awesome. You know, then nothing got through them and the slightest sniff of a turnover, one of them was there. So you had Tiprick into that mix now. And again, Tiprick, I put him in the same brackets as Alan Wynne Jones because he's just not, he's not the player he used to be. He, he's in that side now for something different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I, I thought he was quite anonymous against Argentina, but, you know, sometimes that can be a good thing. You know, you, mm. you, you're not being noticed for anything bad. You're not being noticed for anything good. So you, you're just doing your job. Mm. But, you know, you, you, you're you always going to get a few players like that in every game. Mm. But, no, he, he used to he used to be the the jackler, like, especially if we go back to the days when it was him and Warburton being paid together. Mm. Tipperick was the man that went for the ball. And now it seems as though he's more of a six and a half than anything else. <laughs> Six and a half. Yeah, it, it is. But I I like the idea of putting three sevens on the pitch. I do. I, especially <sighs> with Josh McLeod, can, he can adapt to that number eight kind of position. You know, we, we've spoken before that we don't have a great big massive ball carrying number eight. You know, that's why I'd like to see Shunza in there. You know, six foot six, nineteen stone. Um, just there you go, son. Go have a play with the opposition. Um, 
Josh McLeod offers something different, something more like Faletau, where you know Faletau's not that big, heavy ball carrying number eight. He's your fancy footer around the corner. Let's find the break. Let's you know we'll get you out of trouble. And I think McLeod is is very similar to that, but just a bit more committed over the ball to to winning the ball. So yeah, I'm yeah. I'm liking that that back row. I I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sold on it, but I am very very happy to see McLeod get his cap. Mm. And I think one thing we're going to see on the weekend is his speed from tackle to jackal, because mm. you know that that's what he got you know picked for in the first place two years ago. Mm. His speed off the floor and over that ball is phenomenal. Well, um, he, he can't play eight. I'm, I'm not going to say he can't play because he has done it hmm. several times. I mean, I, I would put that as you know a, a very very safe third best position in the back row for him. <laughs> I, I I would much rather see him on the flank because I think he can do, yeah, he can do better work. It's just seeing what type of game plan and what what style of play Pivak is asking him to do hmm. is going to determine you know what what we see. Well, if you if you think along those lines, and then we've got Priestland at ten, which you know I think is a bit of a an odd selection. I can see why, because I I'd say Priestland is there to move the ball wide or to control the kicks into the corner. You know, so it is playing that that wider game that will spread their their they pack further across the pitch and create gaps in the middle. But, you know, like I said, we've got Costello and Blacker on the, on the bench. I would have loved to have seen them have a start and have a good run out. Same as, same as yourself. Cause I think the pace that Blacker has got is phenomenal, you know, absolutely phenomenal. Um, Costello's not slouch either. No, exactly. And, you know, you put those two, on the pitch and it's it's a little bit like waiting for a firework to go off. You you know something's gonna go off at some time. You know something they're gonna create stuff. They're gonna find a gap. Especially Costello. Costello just seems to find gaps. Well he's only about two foot six anyway, isn't he? So you know he can get through gaps. <laughs> but do, do you know what I mean? He's Yeah. I, I I I'm not gonna overhype him and say he's gonna be Welsh number ten for the next ten years. But I, I think he is the type of ten that we have missed for a little while. I know Patchell showed good signs a few years ago, but we haven't had a proper run in 10 for a while. Mm. And mm. Costello is very much in that mould, and he has shown that he is very capable of doing that job. Mm. And what it does is it, particularly when you've got those two players on the pitch, is it ties in their back row. You know, it creates space for your centres because... If you're a if you're a seven, and you're you're going up against, um, let's say you're going up against someone that you know is constantly going to pass the ball, yeah, you, you you can you can afford yourself a couple of extra inches away from that ruck. You can you you know that you're going out on the ten, yeah, yeah. You you can you can trust uh, your prop or your your inside man to just have that extra cover on the gate as well. Yeah, whereas if you've got someone like Dane Blacker there, you're you're constantly eyes on him, and then 
if he's got Costello outside and you're going, right, I've got to be constant eyes on him and now I've got to be constant eyes on him and that kind of 9-10 channel suddenly becomes uh, a, a danger zone that you need to defend heavily. But normally, you don't need to defend the 9-10 channel a lot because if it gets out to 10, it's either going as a kick or it's, it's going outside. So you don't need to defend that 9-10 channel. You'll defend a, the 10-12 or the 12-13 channel. That's, that's where you'll look at defending heavily. And when you put Blacker on the pitch, you know you've got to defend that 9-10. Yeah. And he's almost like a, a, a really good version of Thomas Williams when he's on form. You know, he, he just seems to to make those breaks, make those gaps. And he pops up in the strangest little places. He runs support. <laughs> he does so. You just like, you, you you watch a game and you go, why is he passing that? Oh, well, right, there, there you go. You know, Black has caught it. He's, he's away. You know, where did he come from? Sort of a thing. So He's got that sevens experience as well. So he has an e-blacker. So he, he mm. does hold his depth and he has got that acceleration mm. to match his pace. Yeah, and and I think he's the kind of player that we need. In, and I think it's good now. We're, if I hope he has a good game, and you know, Pivak's talking about you know, this is about developing people for the World Cup. You know, they want to look at people for the World Cup. And if you put Blacker, Hardy, and Thomas Williams in there, you've got three very different scrum halves. You know, if if you then look at Costello, uh, Priestland, and Anscombe. Again, three really different outside halves, and you can really start to create different games around those players. I think that the place where we lack uh, a lot of depth is number eight. We've got a ton of depth at, at flank, you know, on both flanks. We've got more yeah. than enough players on both flanks. Number eight, we've got Falatel. And, and that that's your key connector between your 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 forwards and your backs, you know. Yeah. So we got lots of options at nine and ten. Number eight, maybe not so much, you know. So I think no, that's we, probably we've, we've got a lot of blind sides who can play eight. We've got Wainwright, Moriarty, you know, mm. those types of players who are mainly sixes, but they do a job at eight as well. Mm. And then we we have got some of the younger boys, like we saw Ratty called into the squad over the summer. It's just unfortunate that uh, he didn't have much game time before this squad selection. And you've got Morgan Morris with mm. the Ospreys, who uh, is another one who is similar to Falatau in the way that he moves. Yeah, yeah. But we don't have a great big mass. I'd say probably Moriarty is our only big ball carrier number eight. You know, I say Falatau isn't your crash ball number eight, he's your dancey feet, get you out of trouble, put you into space, plenty of, he's a high skill, you know, high energy number eight. He's not a crash ball gonna give you ten meters every time kind of a number eight. That that calamophony type player that we are blessed with at at, at the Scarlets. And you kinda need that because if if your second rows aren't gonna do it somebody's got to take that on. I said Moriarty is probably the only other player that fits that role and he's not in the squad. So, you know, I think it's a big opportunity for Josh. I, re I really do. And I, I hope he takes it and I hope, you know, uh, Dane and Sam kind of 
turn in a decent performance because I'm absolutely convinced that those two are going to be the future for, for Welsh rugby and for Scarlets. I think that there's a lot of opportunity there for them. But... Oh, ma- massive opportunity for them. I mean, like mm-hmm. we've said in recent weeks, Blacker has you know been the, the best Scarlet scrum half for a little while now and arguably the informed Welsh scrum half for a good year. Mm. And then... Know Costello taking over the mantle from Patchell at the Scarlets, and it seems as though you know he's he's taken that that space with Wales now. Mm. And then we've got Halfpenny on the on the the bench as well to come on. So, would you risk him? Would you seriously uh, would you risk him? I think they don't have a choice because Zamet isn't available for Australia. Because he's English based, I think is they've that, got to uh, get some minutes on the pitch for him. Is that Australia game out of the? I thought it. I yeah. thought the New Zealand game was the one that was out of uh, out of time. No, it's uh, it's Australia because uh, all the regions are in South Africa next week as well. Right. Okay. So yeah, that does kind of throw up a lot of. Uh, but I thought yep. the agreement was that they were they were allowed to be released as long as they were playing. If they were named in the team, then they were, they could stay with the squad. Or is that a different? Is that midweek? I, I have no idea what that is because they these boys still go back doing the 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 follow week in the Six Nations. So you know, yeah. it's they they all go. I think it's already been alluded to in some of the press conferences with Pivak that you know these five. I think now six boys of David Jenkins are, are all, you know, going home sort of after the Georgia game. Yeah, which is a shame because you you do want to you want to keep them together and and really see what they can do, don't you? Yeah, it's like, so, I, I don't understand why we're not playing. You know, I I know they want the fourth international, but I don't understand why they can't do where like Scotland have done and done it a week earlier. Yeah, just just and. Played, have it played against the Georgia or whatever second tier nation you play in, just because you can put your fringe and your new boys in the first game, mm. and and then, build. then you can see all the way through. And, and then... you know it, it, it makes a bit more sense just because you know we haven't got those players for the region for that week anyway because they're in mm. training. So you know they've they have essentially taken every regional player away from the regions for two weeks because they're all in South Africa with this one extra game. Yeah, yeah. Unless you, you would have hoped that somebody somewhere would have gone, do you know what, let's play New Zealand the last week. Yeah. So we have a, let's play New, let's play Georgia on the first week or Fiji on the first week or Western Samoa on the first week. And I say, and then Bill Western through. Samoa, you going back in time now, boy? Yeah, you know what you know what I mean. Yeah. Let's play or Japan or let's play a side that's going to put up a challenge, but not. It's they're not, you know, Australia, New Zealand, or Africa. Let's play them yeah. first, then Argentina, and then let's let's play New Zealand when we're on form, all singing, all dancing. Let's let's really go for it. Not we've, the way we've we done it. We are so well known for being slow starters. Mm. So let just play into that. Don't have the big boys up first. Yeah. Because, you know, all right, we might be able to pull off a scalp here or there. But 
consistently. Uh, I I don't know if we've won more than one or two opening games of the Autumn Internationals in the last ten years. Yeah, we do tend to to not do. And then we used to play um, the Friday night game. So the Georgia game traditionally would have been a Friday night game, where you, you change everything around and it's it, they put it on the Friday night. And that has been some of the worst rugby that I think I've seen Wales play ever. Gen- genuinely, um, the 16-all draw against Fiji oh, a good number of years ago now. Um, took my boys to watch that on a Friday night. <clears throat> both of them fell asleep during the game. No way. It was that poor. It was such a poor game that um, I went down to get um, a couple of hot dogs on the half hour mark. <laughs> the hot dog seller was like, "Yeah, we're all out, mate. We've um, we've sold out." So, what do you mean? I mean, it's a, it's a big game. He said, "Yeah, people are just piss bored. <laughs> it's just they're just so fed up with this game. So there's always that danger with this this Georgia game in the middle, which you probably wouldn't get at the start. You know, if it was at the start, it it would be a good game. But no, it's like this is." Generally, for a, a lot of the rugby people, because uh, as we know, it's not uh, the the principality doesn't get filled up with rugby people. It get it just gets filled up filled up with people who are there for the occasion and they have to drink. This Georgia mm-hmm. game, this second tier game, is cheaper, and it's generally the first time that you know the the actual rugby lovers are bringing their families and their kids to these games yeah. just to get that experience. It's like. I've only my kids have only been to a Scotland game, and that that was literally the only because you know we had an option of free tickets. Mm. You know, I I wouldn't take I wouldn't voluntarily take them to a big game, just because I I know what the principality can be like. I, you know, I've experienced it myself when I was younger. I mean, I'm mm. sure you have too. It's <laughs> it's not a place for families on those days well i don't know i i took i took the boys um and my daughter actually no no we all went up for the weekend and it was me and the boys we went to watch a new zealand game a couple of years ago and it was okay it was actually all right but i think it was okay because we we got into the ground early um you know, we 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 set it out as a birthday present for both of the boys, so it was a full weekend in Cardiff. It was Friday night, Saturday night hotel sort of a thing. Um, nice, decent hotel with a swimming pool. That that kind of weekend. Um, so I we got into the stadium early <clears throat> and got to the seats. I thought, oh, this this is this is quite nice. So I went and got myself a couple of beers, and. Uh, and I thought, all right, starting to fill up now. What I'm going to do? I'm going to go and get another two beers, and that'll that'll keep me going for the game. That'll be I'll be done. And I nearly missed kickoff. It took me, I think it was half an hour before kickoff. I went to get the beer, and and it happened to be that the 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 little area with the the steps up to my gate, if you like, were right opposite the bar, so I could see. Into the stadium, I could, I could, I'm standing, I'm queuing for the bar, and I can see there they're all lining up on the bar, and I'm like, there's still four people in front of me, <laughs> and I, and I need to get some, and the queue was massive, 
you know i think there's bits like that 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 stadium experience was meant to be set up to not have those issues you know it was meant to be a new modern stadium that would be able to cope with massive amounts of people at the same time and then they you just doesn't seem to do it so yeah it's i'm like you say more families and and what have you more kids will see the georgia game than they will have the new zealand game you know, possibly there were quite a few seats left for the argentina game but hopefully you know quite a few people can go and see the the georgia game and it'll be a good game it'll be a good experience it'll be a good kind of it'll be a damn sight better than that fiji 16 all draw i can assure you of that but <laughs> so the the one play we haven't spoken about that we said we wanted to have a chat about was david jenkins on the bench so 19 years old captained exeter last weekend uh youngest captain in the gallagher premiership he's a he's a bit of a big boy he's he's good mates for shunza um because him and shunza played world's 20s second row last year i think yeah so what do you make of him i haven't seen a great deal of him uh, i will be honest but what i have seen of him i am very impressed with especially mm. for his age he gets through a lot of work and he like he has always taken up that leadership role even within Exeter and to see him get captain last week it, it, it just says tremendous amount of things towards his character mm. and he is 19 so he's still got another few years of growing left so he, we might see another inch or two and no doubt he's going to get you know stockier a bit bigger as well and you know he's already thrown himself around, so he he could be a real, real talent for Wales over his career. I I was on not on the fence, but I was hoping at one point that we would let him develop with Exeter and then come in after the World Cup for him. But you know, seeing some of the performances of our locks, and now with Roland's unfortunately injured. It is good to get him in the setup just for him mm. to experience that and to get a cap, which, like I said earlier, I'm quite surprised that I thought it would have gone to Reese Davis this week if either of the two of them were going to get it. Mm. But I am really looking forward to seeing him play. Yeah, I am too. And yeah, we, we spoke earlier in the season about, you know, we haven't really replaced Jake Ball at the Scarlet or, or at national level. And I I would say that players like Shunza and Jenkins are probably Jake Ballmark too. You know, they are the big ball carrying, heavy, fast um second rows that can they can they can do some damage on a pitch. You know, they're intelligent oh, yeah, players. Yeah. So you know, we all know what's going on with Gallagher Premiership sides at the minute, you know, in terms of finances, in terms of, you know, they just can't retain players because, you know, they're all in so much debt. I know they, so him and Shuns are both in uh, Exeter University. Exeter University is basically the Exeter B team, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the reserve side. So, you know, I would hope that when he's finished his university career, 
that somebody is saying to him, you know, like, can we join the Scarlets? Because we've got, you know, the Price Boys. Um, Morgan Jones. Morgan Jones, yeah. And then, you know, you throw those two into it. And then you've got Fafita and Lousy that can kind of drift in between second row and back row. And all of a sudden you think, actually, uh, yeah, from a Scarlet's point of view, we're a little bit overstocked in the in in the engine house, you know. Yeah, so, that that would be that would be a dream. I I can't see us getting both. I can see us yeah. getting at least one of them, probably Jenkins, and I could probably see Shunza going to Cardiff. If I'm totally honest, mm. just because you know that that is where he's from, and we know these boys are going to be coming back. You know, I, I it would be nice if they could stay with Exeter and you know reward Exeter for putting all the faith in them. Hmm. But that's not the way Welsh rugby works anymore. You know, if they want to play for Wales, which they both obviously do, they're going to have to come back at some point. Yeah. So I think we are going to get Jenkins and Cardiff are going to get Shunza just because the stocks of locks at the minute. Yeah, yeah. I think Newport have been kind of bulked up. Um, Ospreys are, are fine in the second row. And I said, I quite, I, I can see in a couple of years' time. Uh, you know, one of the Price Boys or, or Morgan Jones, you know, making that step. They, they're not the wild, exciting, crazy second rows, but they're that rock solid second row that that you sometimes you just need somebody that's going to give you five meters on every ball. So yeah, like, I, I know we're talking a lot about David Jenkins because he's being nineteen, but we we have got you know Morgan Jones and Jack Price who are twenty three and twenty two, so they're still they're still babies for locks. And yeah. David Jenkins even more so. I mean, so uh, you know, I, I I don't think Tom Price will ever will ever make it, but I think you know Jack Price and Morgan Jones maybe you not know, getting picked for the squad anytime soon, but being in the training environment would probably be a good thing just to assess, you know, where where their ceiling is and whether or not they could feature in the future. Mm. So lots of positives for the future. Lots of positives for for Saturday. So what's What's your prediction for Saturday then? What's your? Uh, I think it's going to be a real hard-fought game. I think you know it's going to be very much the same as Argentina. It's going to be very defensively focused for the first half, and mm. we're going to try. I think we're going to kick them to death <laughs> in I, a nice way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in 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 a in a rugby term, not in a legal not, way. Not in, <laughs> yeah, in a legal way. <laughs> You know, I, I can see us probably being two, maybe three scores up at half time. And then, you know, getting getting all the all the bench on and hopefully, you know, play a bit of decent rugby. Yeah, I think that's a we, we could do with something to inspire us against Australia. Because you know, Australia lost uh against Italy, didn't they? So you know awesome they, game. Yeah, but they're going to have the same kind of reaction as that we had after the New Zealand game. So, you know, that final game of the series is going to be quite interesting, and this uh, this weekend will be it'll be a good setup for it. So, I'm going to go thirty points to seven is is my prediction. Thirty points to seven. I, I think we we will do the job quite comfortably, and then they'll have a consolation try somewhere near the end. But yeah, that's my. Uh, yeah. I I was I was. Pretty pretty close, but I, I'm gonna have to change it now because it was way too close to what you said. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking twenty nine six. All right, <laughs> but uh, I'll change that now. I'll, I'll give him a try and I'll give us an extra one. So I'll oh, go yeah. 
I'll go, I'll go 36-13. Oh, there you go. <laughs> cool. Okay, so let's let's have a little look at uh, community rugby over the weekend because uh, obviously... The reason we're all here. Yeah, and uh, I obviously didn't get to put the scores out over the last weekend. So uh, let's have a quick run through uh, last weekend's games. So Narbuth... Uh, lost away to Estalavera 21-19. And that was a bit unexpected because, you know, we all expected Narva to win that one quite comfortably. But you were saying, you, you so you read the match report from that Narva yeah. game. And with what was effectively the last move of the game, George MacDonald and Narva crossed the try line to win the game, mm. only for it to be brought back for a forward pass. Which is just heartbreaking, isn't it? It's heartbreaking. It, it but, is, and you know, we I I never been there. Probably not going to go there anytime soon. But I I'm in love with Narbeth, <laughs> Narbeth rugby at least. <laughs> and it, it it is it does break my heart to see that result just because of the good work they have put in so far this season. Mm. But you know, it's every league's a tough league, and you 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 can't drop off. I mean. There's there's another match down in Division Three, which uh, you know a, a little local derby between Lan and St Clair's that was very similar. Mm. But you know every, every league is so tough. The teams are very very close. Well, it leaves Narbeth in fifth in the, the the championship, but not too far away. I think the top two sides, Neath Pontypool, they kind of they're thirty-seven and thirty-five points, so they're they're a stretch away from everywhere else. And then you've got Bargoid, Cross Keys, and Narberth, 29, 26, 24 points respectively. So, like you say, it's a close, close league. Um, yeah, and I can see Narberth. I can see a lot of changes in that league as we go through the season. Yeah, yeah, second half of the season is going to be like, massive. Looking at it early on, it looked to be, you know, Neath, Pontypool and Bargoid as the top runners. But it seems that Neath and Pontypool have, you know, put their foot down a little bit more. And Bargoid have ended up in that, in that fight for third place with Cross Keys and Narbeth. Mm. And it's good to see Narbeth in there. You know, really good to oh, see definitely. Narbeth in there. Because that's, that's where we want to be. So, it's cool. So let's have a look at Division One. Um, so the the Krimmerschlangenic game was postponed um, due to um, uh, the passing of the Krimmer uh, chairman. I think it was president. President. Um, so that game will be replayed. So there's no points awarded on that one. It is a postponed game that will be replayed. Uh, Pembroke, just another kicking at home at the hands of Aberystwyth, 19 points to 73. You know, 73 is... 73 is a big, big score, and it's not the biggest score that we've got on the on the table this week. No, but it's not. It's, uh, you know... Yeah, I just don't know where... There was a couple of seasons ago Pembroke were playing Aberystwyth, and it, they were they were close games, they were tight games, um, and they're just not anymore. So, so Pembroke got a young, really young squad. Then, do they just come into fruition, or is or is our Pembroke Quins that I'm thinking of? No, it's yeah, the the Quins I was on, but Pembroke have had to change a lot of players. A lot of the players that took them up to Division One have kind of either left or 
retired or just got to the stage of a career where they're, they're not playing a full game. And just think that follow through hasn't been there. They, you know, there there isn't the the player flow through to that that first team um, that you need to sustain your position up there. I think they'll probably drop a division and then have two seasons and then come back up and then have two seasons and then go back down and have two seasons. I think it's going to be like that for a couple of years until they start to develop a a youth system that brings players through because the the players are around there are enough players in in the, the Pembroke catchment area who want to play at that level you know Pembroke takes players from from the Quins from Harford West from uh, Milford from Temby some Narbuth players come over you know so there, there, there are enough players there that that want to kick on um, and the coaching system is actually quite good. It, it is just a case that you have to have that constant flow of players coming through, and you know the the pipe is the pipeline is a little bit thin at the minute, shall we say? But so yeah, Whitland same again. Um, they lost at home thirty four seventeen against Pencloud. Yeah, Pencloud is a team you should be beating. Pencloud. Oh, I've got, I've got one. Yeah, I've got it's it the same. Yeah. Nephew Why have I got that in there? I ignore what I said on that, because I said it last <laughs> week as well, and you corrected me. And, and for some reason, I've, I've left it on my sheet <laughs> and just read off my sheet. But there we go. Anyway, Whitland lost at home 34-17, and yeah. they really should. Yeah, I think that they're, they're probably... If we end up with relegation this year, it's it's between Pembroke and Whitland, and Whitland have beaten Pembroke. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it wasn't all bad on the day from Whitland. It, it was seventeen all going into half time. So you know, the, they were in it for large periods. It's just you know they they just tailed off for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, if we look at the table, um, you know. Krumich is still joint top with Klangenich, like we said last week. Uh, we've got Aberystwyth then in one, two, three, four. Aberystwyth in fifth as well, um, but they're only two points behind the leaders. You know that's a that's a really really tight league. And then we drop to the bottom of the table, and we've got Whitland one place off the bottom on six points, and Pembroke still to pick up a point on the bottom of the table. So yeah, it's tight in the middle. It's tight at the top, but yeah, it's it's looking quite what, dark at the bottom. What is it from first to eight? There's five points. Yeah, that is tight. That's what I mean. You know, there's a couple of, and you look. So Frankenich have got a game in hand. What two games in hand? Krimic a game in hand. Newcastle Emlyn got a game in hand. Bellin Voyle, Hendy all got games in hand. So that table could change. Quite rapidly bit, yeah. as those as those things are now. Klangenich could, you know, two games, yeah, two games in hand. They they could stretch a, a hefty lead, or they could quite easily fall four places if they lose to them. You know. Yeah, it was one of those games is against Kremer, who's right behind them. Yeah, so uh, you know that's that's an exciting, and that's how you want it to be, isn't it? You you want those leagues to be exciting, interesting, um, and more of that we need. I, you know, if we look at Division Two, so let's drop down in Division Two. 
Um, now, I believe I forecast a Fishguard win away at Kamal and Athletic. Did, oh, yes. I, I did, yes. I believe that that one. And, and they, so 13-6, again, a, a tight game. Um, but fair play. I think Fishguard are targeting their games well this year. You know, I, I think the team that they put out in the, the Cup or didn't put out in the Cup, very, very different to what turns up in the league. And you know, we, we spoke to Sue earlier in the season. And he said, it's a small squad, but it's a good squad. So sometimes you've got to, you know, plan what you can do. Um, Tembi beat Milford sixteen nil at home. I, I'm surprised that Milford didn't get on the on the scoreboard there. Really, really surprised. But excellent win for Tembi. You know, superb win for Tembi on that because again, it's competitive, and you know, it's that's that's what you need now. And this is how competitive that league is, right? So. A couple of games ago, Milford, there's Milford, Tenby, Milford, and Fishguard were all kind of mid-table. Milford have had a, a couple of bad games, and they're one off the bottom. You've got Fishguard still in mid-table on 14 points. You've got Tenby now in fourth on 17 points. But again, in that league, you've got Ponte de and Kid Welly kind of stretching away, away at, the, at the top. So it is a fight for third place, but you know, Tembi on seventeen, Nantgaredig on nineteen points, you know, and you've got Mumbles on sixteen, Burryport on fourteen, Fishguard on fourteen, Lucker on fourteen, T Cross on thirteen. They're they're all within touching distance of that second place. You know, you've got two at the top, three at the bottom, and then everybody else in the middle. You we'll know, fight for because there's a couple of games in hand in there as well, which will, again will. Yeah, will change the the lock of the table. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's they're turning into actually really competitive leagues throughout the season, and you know, full respect. That's what you need to to get people back in through um through the gate. But you know, people need to know that these are really competitive. Yeah, like I, I, it's it's good that you know we haven't got just that one team seems to be running away with it in these leagues. There's mm. there's at least one or two behind them, really saying you know you you're not having this easy, mm. and then for everyone else to more or less say well you know you can't forget about that so we are still going to be doing a job and you know they, they are showing that the mm. fact that you know so many teams have some of the results we've we've looked at and we've gone oh didn't expect that you know mm. you know you you've been on a bad run where did that come from mm. yeah. Yeah. Well, having said that, when we then dev- drop into Division 3, um, <laughs> it, yeah, some of the scores in Division 3 are just insane. Um, so, Aberaeron against Langham, you know, so it's a oh. long old trip from Langham up to Aberaeron. I think there must have been a, a couple of boys going to the, the Welsh game because... 95 nil, you know, is that's just and that is a massive advert for not having rugby during international weekends. Yeah, well, you know, Langham have started being quite competitive lately. They, uh, you know, they haven't been, I think they've won a couple of games as well. So to go and take a paste in like that away is, I said, that's a hard pill to swallow but 
you know, sometimes you you just got to take those and go, right, okay, we go on to next week. We'll put that one out of our heads. We'll go on, we'll see what we can do. You know, Langham have been taking players on um, licence from other clubs um, and maybe they couldn't do that last week. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know the full story behind it, but I'm hoping that, you know, put that one out of the head and we'll go on to next week's game and, and we'll, we'll go from there sort of thing. So, um, Cardigan won at home 26-5 against Lana Butter. Um, top of the table clash then, Larn and Sinclair's. So, that was cracking. So see, from, from, what, from what I've seen, Larn had the upper hand come half time. They were 6-3 hmm. up. Um, they, it, there weren't that many posts, but there was a couple on Twitter, and I was trying to follow it on Saturday. Mm. And I, I was literally, I, I was on the edge of my seat, just waiting for the for the full results that were coming through, because I didn't know what time any of these had kicked off, because there were so many different random half time, full time scores coming through. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was just waiting. Oh, come on, just just do them, just do them. And the final result came, and I was just, oh. You know, 10-6 St. Clair's, you know, leading mm. six the half-time, you know, and, and one try was a difference Oops. in the second half. That that just shows the, the level that yeah. Lan have been able to pull out this year. And I, I really didn't expect Lan to be such strong opposition for St. Clair's. I, I know it's a local derby and all that, but I, I still mm. didn't expect it to be that close. Yeah, well, I, I thought it would be just because, you know, there's a lot of bad feeling between the two. Um, I'd be interested to see how many yellow cards were actually given in that, because the chances of no yellow cards being given in that game was quite remote. But Oh, you never know. It might have only been reds. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the type of game where that would happen, yeah. But yeah, yeah I'd say competitive, you know, two good sides going at each other, uh, really competitive game. So yeah, cracking game that. Um, Quinns lost at home to Halford West 21-3 and then St. David's uh, you know 73-3 at home against Lampeter you know got on the scoreboard uh, yeah just uh, St. David's been playing really well you know St. David they've had a, some really good games through the season some some good results and then Bump, you know, seventy-three, but they're another side that have been relying on players yes. on permits and and what have you. You were taking into consideration what they were rock bottom, didn't didn't get a win. I think if I'm right in in the shortened season last year, so they are still doing incredibly well this year. Yeah, absolutely. And a journey to St David's uh, is always worthwhile. It's always good fun. Um, and then we get a side dish and one out uh, uh, at last uh, on the bottom. So Nayland beat Tregaran 65-5. So, you know, we dish it out. But there's some really, really big scores in um, in that league. Well, all, all down, really. Yeah. So where does that leave everybody? Um, Langham are one place off the bottom uh, with five points. Cardigan are four places off the bottom on eight points, and then so if we go up the table, then we go Quinns, St David's, Nayland, Haverford West, Larn, Aberaeron, Lampeter, and then St Clair's top of the table on twenty-eight points. So 
you know, again, even for some of the, the teams mid-table, there, there's stuff to fight for there. There's, there's probably one, two, three, four teams at the top of the table. Sinclair's, Lamberter, Aberaeron and Lan. Yeah. That are just starting to kind of build a bit Edge. of a distance. Yeah. And then... You've got a middle four. Yeah. Well, you've got Lan have got a game in hand. Lamberter have got a game in hand. And then, you, like you say, you've got the middle four that are between 16 and 10 points and maybe even cardigan on eight points you know but and and then three at the bottom that are just fighting for it but you know it, it's competitive there's lots to play for there's you know that division three is essentially a pembrokeshire league that you know you it's it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top there because that's 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 the one that's developing our players locally. So yeah, it it, it is a really good division, and it because it's the la the the lowest division in the West. We are going to see some of these score lines on occasion. Mm. Just, and I I think the fact that they've split it to three West A and three West B instead of going three four is the main cause of that. Because mm. I think if we if we Obviously, I know there's a lot of travel involved, and that is the main reason for the split. But if we took the top half from West A and West B and put them into one, and then the bottom halves, I think we, I think it'd be a, a lot less of these score lines. Yeah, and they'd both be ultra competitive still. Yeah, and and I think that's what we need. We need more competitive games. We need to know, you know, when you're playing in a competitive game and you know that every single game you're playing is important, it does give you that bit, you know, you do go training a bit more, you do put a bit more effort in. So, so yeah, that's looking good for, um, for uh, local rugby. Do we want to do predictions for the coming week? Because I'll well, be honest, I haven't there's prepared. Nothing there's, there's nothing this weekend now. It's for two weeks' time. All right, that's okay then. That's why I haven't got anything prepared for this week. <laughs> yeah, so, but the the game in the two games we got in two weeks' time are massively important. We will do them next week, mm-hmm. but they are Aberystwyth and Dunvant and Tembe and Hoylakow, and they both are more or less straight shootouts for a place in the knockouts rounds in the division cups. So I was going to say it's it's cup it's be next. Yeah, it's the the cup in the, the next couple of weeks, isn't it? So, yeah, hokey coke. Well, that's looking good. So the only other bit then to to have a little chat about is the return of Judgment Day and our feelings on that. So that's, <sighs> I think, it's the last game of the season. I think yeah. They, they put it as, isn't it? What's your feelings on Judgment Day? I think it's a missed opportunity more than anything. I don't know if you can remember it, but uh, do you remember the Rugby League Millennium Magic Weekends for mm. 10, 15 years ago? You know, the, the like seven matches over the two days, and it was an awesome experience. Mm. And I think we could have done exactly the same thing here with the Principality Premiership teams. I think we could have had, you know, the Scarlet's Region teams play the Dragons region teams in three games, then the Scarlet's Dragons on day one, and the same with the Ospreys and Cardiff teams finishing with Ospreys-Cardiff on day two, and mm-hmm. literally have four matches on both days 
and you would have you would have filled the the principality on both days for on that. Both days, yeah. I think it's the idea is is nice of having uh, you know everybody together in the one place. The bit that annoys me with um, uh, with that is after the first game, everybody just goes home. Uh, you know, if you're a, uh, it used to be Cardiff and um, Ospreys in the first game, and yeah. then we play Dragons in the second game, and the stadium would be half empty for the second game. And you go around, and that's that's not what we do, boys. No, but that, that's why I'd, I'd rather see you this way, and you have the big game at the end, so you know the big mm. games at the end. So you're there for your team at whatever time. Yeah, the, the stadium might only be a. You know, half to three quarters full for the first mm. few games, but come the last game, everyone's going to want to stick around for it. Yeah, and I, I think that extended kind of thing kind of does make a, a day of it. It is more of a um, festival it, feeling, it. Yeah, but it's it's based around the rugby, and like you say, with the, some of the internationals, not all of them. You know, there are rugby people that go to to those games, but you know, I've been sat next to a bloody hen night on one of the games I went to, you know. And uh, to be honest, yeah, if I could have moved seats, I would have just because they were doing my head in. They were enjoying it, you know, they paid their ticket, same as me, but they weren't there to watch the seasons. Yeah. And I think that's what Judgment Day does bring, is it brings rugby people together into that stadium and it should be a celebration. And whichever way, whoever plays first, you know, we should go, right, stay till the second game. Because everybody comes in for the first game. You have to be in for the first game. And if you put Cardiff on first, and half the Cardiff supporters that live in Cardiff can go, well, I'll, I can be home for the second game. I'll watch it at home. Do you know what I mean? If if you're a Scarlet supporter and you've gone up to that game, you know, so for me, that's Getting up to Cardiff is two hours. Getting into Cardiff is another half hour. Getting into the stadium is another half hour on top of that. You know, it's a full day, whichever way I go. So if I'm going to go and watch one game, I'm going to stay there and watch the second game anyway. Yeah. So if that Scarlet Dragons game is on first, you'll get more Scarlet and Dragons supporters stay for the Cardiff and Ospreys game than you will the other way around just because of the distances and, and practicalities more than anything. So Yeah, it, it is what it is when it comes to that. I mean, there's, as, as great as the idea is, I don't think vast amount of thought is put into it, into improving the product and how to really get fill the stadium and put bums on seats. Because, mm. you know, you are expected to stay there for the, if you're watching the, the second match like we normally are. You are there all day, so you are spending money. Yeah. So they they've got to really make the fan experience that much better. I would like to see it as the season kickoff. I'd like to see first game of the season is Judgment Day, and you go that first game bang. You know this is this is a big. Do you know what I mean? You start the season with a load of people watching the games, and and the bit that I think they miss. Is there's a there's a massive amount of advertising opportunity and and connection opportunity around the Millennium Stadium to say, you know, come and come and watch the Scarlets more, come and come and watch the Ospreys more. Do you know what I mean? If you're doing at that start of the season, 
you you get a post all the way around the outside of the Millennium Stadium. Go in, you know, sign up for your Scarlets ticket today. This is the next Scarlets game. This is the next Ospreys game, and you could build a better thing through the season. Yeah. I think if when you leave it to the end of the season, you miss that opportunity. Yeah, that the whole buzz, the whole positivity that comes from it, it, it is just lost instantly because there's no way, no way for them to follow it up. Hmm. Yeah, that's the end of the season. Your job done. Cheers very much. Go home. <laughs> we'll see you in six weeks' time. So there we go, my friend. That's um, uh, that's another week done <laughs> for us. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes from this weekend and um, hopefully some good local games. I'm going to do my best to. I, I'm going to try and ease off the Guinness uh, for uh, for this week's game. I can't make any promises, but I'll try and do the scores again after, after this week's. Just, just for note, everyone listening, he's got his fingers crossed in the background. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so fingers crossed it'll be a, a decent game this weekend and uh, we shall meet up again next week, my friend, and do the same thing again. Yes, we shall. And there'll be a lot to talk about because there's a few more Scarlets uh, again off, off yep. the bench and on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. I shall catch up with you again next week, my friend. All the best. And to you. Robert. Cheers, Matt. Ta-da. You have been listening to the Westerer is Besterer podcast from the Scarlet Supporters PEMS team. You can follow us on Twitter on Scarlet PEMS Find us on Facebook with Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire or email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. And remember, West is best, but Westerer is besterer. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.